Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Deeper Daily Podcast. It's our podcast for the eighth day of October. Hoping, praying that you are resting in the goodness of God today, experiencing the favor of heaven. And even if the dark clouds of this life and this earth have found you, I'm praying that our Father reveal His love to you as He walks with you what could be even the valley of the shadow of death. But He does not leave us. And I encourage you in whatever stage and season of life you are in as you walk this out with our Lord. Luke chapter 1, today we arrive at the 12th verse, but I'll read the 11th verse as a way in to this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, him as Zacharias, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. If you want to know what the altar of incense is, go read Exodus 30. It will tell you about the altar of incense as it was supposed to be in the tabernacle. They just... They took the things in the tabernacle and transferred them into the temple. And thus the altar of incense exists in the temple in Jerusalem as well. Verse 12, And when Zacharias saw him, uh, there's no him there in the Greek, by the way. It's a sexless angel because they're neither given married nor given in marriage, as Jesus said. When Zacharias saw... He was troubled and fear fell upon him, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. The reason for the fear is that you're seeing something that is visible now that was invisible a moment ago. The closest thing we have to this, and I I hope you understand I'm not comparing them, but I'm just trying to give you an idea about how we think, would be to say you saw a ghost, to say you saw something that was not there in the material world, but that you could see using your material eyes for a moment. And I would say that might get you close to how Zacharias felt when he saw this angel, but he doesn't assume it's anything other than an angel of the Lord, then you might say, well, why is he afraid? Well, because a couple of reasons. One, because of what we just said. Whenever the natural senses encounter something from the supernatural, it often spooks us. It, it frightens us because we have a quick realization, whether we can articulate this properly or not is another thing, but we have a quick realization that there's more than meets the eye that we're not alone, that what I, what I see, hear, taste, touch, and smell is not the only thing in the world. You know, this leads me to something I was thinking about a couple of days ago before we recorded this. We are in a world where we all function on our five senses, what we touch, taste, see, smell, hear, uh, and we do pretty good with that. Even if we lose one or two of those senses, we can still navigate the world. But nobody gives credit for the sense of our heart. Um, And when I say nobody, of course, I don't mean nobody. We do in the realm of the faith. I believe that the sense, this sense of your, your heart and your soul is as important as your sense of taste and touch and smell and hearing and sight because it though it's invisible though it's not 
you can't see it like you can your fingers or your eyeballs or your ears. It is real. And you live in a world that discounts it. They'll even tell you, well, you can't trust your heart. You can't trust your spirit because none of that's real. And they want empirical evidence. But you're not saved by empirical evidence. You're saved by faith. So you know these things exist, whether you whether it's part of your day-to-day life or not, you know due to that sense that you have, that sense of your heart and your soul, that there's something there. Zechariah sees the angel. The second reason that he's afraid, that first one's practical, I think. But the second reason that he is afraid is because his heritage had a deep-seated belief, his Hebrew heritage, that if you were to encounter the angelic, that the angelic came to take you home. They came to take your life, what we might consider the angel of death. In fact, the book of Exodus actually titles him the angel of death that comes through Exodus, that comes through Egypt. And so you'll notice that your Old Testament characters, all the way up to Zacharias right here, they fall on their face in fear when they encounter an angel and beg for their lives. And repeatedly you hear the angel, whether it's an angel or whether it's an embodiment of the Lord saying, get up or don't be afraid. This is a a reason why Jesus speaks the words, don't be afraid so often over his disciples, because they're seeing him through the eyes of the spirit. That's a revelation they start to have more and more, whether it's transfiguration whether it's him walking on the water, they're starting to see through the eyes of the Spirit a different version of Jesus, and they're afraid. And Jesus keeps saying, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And so as you grow in, for lack of a better term, as you grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Peter said, then you are fine-tuning the ability to tell the difference between good and evil. That's practicing following the voice of the Spirit. And as you do that, you're going to be impressed with don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. The words that the Lord will speak to you over and over again. And then the promise is your prayer is heard. The question is what prayer? Well, the prayer was probably for a son, but actually in the moment that he's inside the holy place, he's probably praying for the redemption of Israel. That's what the priesthood would go into the temple to pray. And in an amazing way of double fulfillment, his personal prayer, I'd like to have a son, is fulfilled at the, in the same breath as bring redemption to Israel because John the Baptist, while he will not be the Redeemer, he will pave the way for the Redeemer. And the angel said, you'll call his name John. This is, we're going to find out in a little bit, this is unique because there is nobody in his family named John and you didn't just name kids something willy-nilly. And the name John is, the Lord is gracious. We get the, we get the word grace Uh, derived from this. So a gracious God gives him John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. That's verse 14. This is a practical side of the gladness of having a son. I want to get into the spiritual side of John's birth tomorrow because there's, there's a very unique thing coming up in this that doesn't happen anywhere else in the New Testament. And we'll get into that tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless.